Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. I'm your host, Ian McMillan. Obviously, if you're listening to this first episode, you probably know me. You probably follow me on Twitter. Thanks for listening along. Since this is the first episode ever, I'm just going to break down the format of this. These shows, these episodes are going to be around an hour long. I'm going to try to keep them within 60 minutes. Uh, the first half of each episode, I'm going to break down uh, my bets for whatever is going on. Whatever event is big in that week, I'm going to break down and give out my picks for it. And then the second half is going to be a little bit of a free-for-all. It's probably going to change week to week. Either I'm just going to go on a rant, I might tell a story... Um, I might answer some viewer questions, so if you ever have any questions, send me a DM on Twitter. I'll eventually get an email address, that's probably what I should have done, but for now, send me a DM on Twitter, I'll answer some viewer questions. Maybe I'll do some interviews too, if there's ever if there's anyone uh, in the sports betting world or not in the sports betting world uh, that you want me to interview, uh, I'll probably do some interviews as well, some chats, some conversations. Uh, so that'll be the second half of each podcast. Uh, but the first half will be my betting breakdowns and picks. So if you really only care about my betting previews, my picks and stuff like that, just listen to the first half of each episode. Second half will get a little bit more silly. Uh, I just want to have some fun. Everyone takes everything so goddamn seriously nowadays, especially sports. I'm going to tell you what you're not going to hear on this podcast is politics. We're just going to bet on sports. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk some sports and uh, be a little bit lighthearted. Let's have some fun. So on today's episode, the first portion, I'm going to break into the PGA Championship quite a bit. First major of the 2020 PGA Tour season, so I'm going to talk about that quite a bit. And then I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to briefly talk about the MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC. Uh, But that'll be pretty brief, and I'll explain why uh, when I get into it. But the first 20 minutes or so will be the my PGA Championship breakdown and preview for that, and my picks for that. So once again, thank you. For downloading the first ever episode of the Bacon Bets podcast, subscribe if you'd like, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your uncles, tell your uh, cats, tell your significant others, tell your librarian, tell your dentist, uh, tell your uh, the guy who works on your car and charges you too much and says that you've got to fix things that don't actually need to get fixed, tell that guy, mm, tell your drug dealer, uh... Yeah. Spread the word. All right. Let's get into it. The first ever episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Okay, let's get into it. I hope you guys just enjoyed the generic royalty-free music. Or, to be honest, I don't even know if I'm going to be putting music in front of this. But if I did just put in music, I hope you enjoyed that. 
Uh, maybe one day I'll get an actual theme song or something, but yeah, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the 2020 PGA Championship, the first major of the 2020 season. Uh, I think it's been over a year now since we've seen a major golf tournament, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, it's the PGA Championship. Uh, let's be honest, though, guys. I mean, it's it's the major that people give the fewest amount of fucks about. I mean, of the four majors, if you ask every single player on PGA Tour, is there anyone that would have the PGA Championship as one of the top three that they'd most like to win? I don't think so. I think it'd have to be number four for, for basically everyone. I mean, you got the Masters. I think, obviously, I think that'd be the number one that people would want to win. Uh, obviously, just the prestige, the history, the beautiful green jacket, Augusta National. And then the Open. Uh, a lot of Europeans probably really want to win the Open, especially a lot of English golfers. That probably means a lot to them. Also, I mean, you get the cool title of being Champion Golfer of the Year when you win the Open. The Champion Golfer of the Year. And then there's the U.S. Open, which is, I guess, usually the most difficult of the four. So, I mean, that's a nice achievement to win the U.S. Open. And also for all the American golfers, uh, I mean, it's winning their country's championship. Uh, and then there's the PGA Championship. Does anyone, yeah, I mean, that would have to be the fourth rank for all the majors or the ones that uh, people would want to win. But, oh well, it's a major tournament. It does have some history to it. And uh, it's been a long time since we've seen a major championship, so let's let's just enjoy it. I'm done complete. That was my quick complaint about the PGA Championship, but we still got the Masters in the U.S. Open this year, so we're looking forward to those. But of course, uh, this year's event is being held at TPC Harding Park. Now, just quickly about TPC Harding Park, some history. The last PGA Tour events that we saw at TPC Harding Park was a 2015 WGC match play, and before that, it was the 2009 Presidents Cup. Uh, and then way before that, it would have been the 2005 WGC American Express Championship. Tiger Woods beat John Daly in that event. That was uh, back in 2005. So uh, because, I mean, the last two events, we can't use it all as far as um, strokes gain stats or anything like that because they're match play and just match play events play differently from strokes uh, events. Uh, so we're going into this event blind. All we can do is look at the course, judge the course, predict how it's going to play, predict what's going to happen and then base our kind of key stats and our handicapping off of that. So we are a little bit blind this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is going to play par 70. A few different sources gave me different answers for that. Uh, one website said it was par 71. Uh, it usually plays par 72 uh, for like non-PJ Tour events, obviously, so that confused me a little bit. Uh, but it is going to be par 70, as per the official uh, tournament website. Measures at about 7,234 yards. Now, historically, this has been a pretty easy course. I think we're going to see the winner shoot pretty low. I wouldn't be too surprised, actually. I wouldn't be too surprised if it, if it ends up being the major record for the lowest score, which right now is held by Jason Day. He won the PGA Championship in 2015, uh, shooting 20 under. I wouldn't be 100% surprised if that record gets tied or broken, or at least if it gets close to that record this weekend. Uh, now, the PGA did narrow the fairways on the par 4s and 5s, so they are going to make it play a little bit more difficult. But really, there's not a whole lot of danger in missing the fairways. The trees are, are kind of skinny. It's a pretty open concept. So really, if you're missing the fairways, outside of the fact that you would have to hit out of the rough, um, you're not going to be punished a whole lot. You're still going to have a look at the green most times that you miss the fairways. So driving accuracy, in my opinion, not too important this week. Uh, another th key thing about uh, Harding Park, the greens are a mix of bent grass and poa anua. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, for you golf nerds, the grass that's used on the green actually plays a pretty big role in golfers being able to read the greens, hit their putts. Uh, golfers are usually good on the greens that they're used to, the ones that they played on growing up. Uh, so it was always just Poa Nua. They did mix in some bent grass in 2014, so it's kind of a mix of both. Uh, but I'm going to touch on that a little bit here when I get into the golfers that I'll be betting on this week. Also, the greens are a little bit smaller than the average PGA Tour greens, so uh, greens and regulations, scrambling, always going to be important. So let me get into my key stats, my five key stats for the 2020 PGA Championship. First one, I'm going to go driving distance. Not one I've used since the restart. Um, but with the fairways not really being punishing if you miss them, the rough's not too bad. Uh, and with it being kind of a shorter course, 
I think you're going to see longer hitters, bombers, guys who can gouge to the course do well. We saw that at last year's PGA Championship at Bethpage Black. Uh, it was always it was the long hitters that had success. I think we're going to find similar things at this PGA Championship. Guys are going to be able to gouge these these holes, go for the green on a par four or two, some of the shorter par fours. Uh, yeah, so driving distance is going to be number one. Number two is going to be ball striking, which is usually pretty important at uh, most major championships, especially the PGA Championship and uh, U.S. Opens. Usually ball striking is an important factor. If you guys don't know what ball striking is, by the way, this is how the PGA Tour defines it on their stats page for ball striking. Ball striking is computed by totaling a player's rank in both total driving and greens and regulation. So yeah, there you go. That's pretty self-explanatory there, guys, who can also hit it off the tee half decent and then get it on the green with their second shot. Third key stat, I'm going to go rough proximity. So what this means is people who get it close to the hole when their approach shot is from the rough. Why this is important? Well, because I mentioned that they the PJ made these fairways more narrow. So while it's not going to be punishing if you miss the fairway, guys are going to have to shoot, have their approach shots from the rough a, a decent amount of times. And what makes your approach shot from the rough being tricky is being able to control the ball, put spin on it, getting it to stop on a dime. So that rough proximity stat really it, it gives a good indication of which golfers are able to control their approach shots when their approach shots are from the rough. So that's my third key stat. Then the fourth one's going to be par 4 from 450 to 500 yards efficiency. So 50% of the par 4, 6 of the 12 of the par 4s at this course are between 450 to 500 yards. So guys who are able to obviously score on the par 4s within that distance, I think that's going to be key. Ooh, Brooks Kepke just put it in the water. Uh, by the way, I'm recording this on Sunday night during the last couple holes of uh, the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Uh, Justin Thomas has a lead. Only guy who could catch him was Brooks Kepka, and Brooks just put it in the water on the 18th hole. So that's it. Just Justin Thomas is going to win this. Good for him. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> sorry. I uh, got a little distracted there. But moving on to my fifth key stat, scrambling. Uh, anytime you're playing at an event with smaller greens, you want to look at scrambling because you're going to sometimes guys are going to miss the greens. Let's get guys who get it back onto the green and save par. Now, you might notice I didn't mention strokes gain putting. I've said it before, strokes gain putting you have to look at every single event, so I'm not going to put it into my key stats because it's you just got to look at strokes gain. If you don't look at putting, then you're missing half the game. I'll put it in my key stats if there's ever if uh, four events where putting is extremely important, like maybe the Masters. Uh, but generally, putting is always important, so let's kind of look. It's kind of a sixth key stat with a little asterisk next to it. All right, so so that's my quick uh, course breakdown, my key stats. Like I said, we're kind of going to this event a little bit blind at Harding Park. No real uh, previous exper uh, experience, of any, at least in recent years, for us to go off of. So we're a little bit blind, but uh, I'm pretty comfortable with those key stats that I laid out. So what I'm going to do next year, I'm just going to go through the odds list. Since I'm not pressed for time like I normally am in my videos, I can kind of take my time and go through this. I'm going to go through the odds list here, starting from the very top, work my way through. And I'm going to go about the top 15 golfers, and as I go through the guys who I'm going to, I'm going to point out the guys who I'm going to bet on, and then at the end I'll just kind of recap everything. Um, now, as I mentioned, I'm recording this Sunday night, so the odds may change. Uh, probably at least some of them will definitely change between now and tee off on Thursday, uh, but I'm sure they'll generally stay the same. Uh, Justin Thomas, I'm sure he's, his odds are going to get a little bit better if he just closes out here. Uh, but yeah, let's let's start it off here. So. All, by the way, these odds are per Bovada, uh, Bodog if you're outside the U.S. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into them. Brooks Kepka is the favorite right now as of this recording at 10 to 1. I'm not going to be betting on him. Uh, I just, I mean, obviously he's going to finish like second or third here at the WGC. But since the restart, he, he's been bad up until this event. I don't blame anyone if they do bet on Brooks Kepka. Obviously, he won the PGA Championship last year. He brings it in every major, and now obviously he brings it in WGC events. But, I mean, I just can't trust his numbers. His putting has been a big weak spot for him lately. But then again, I did say that this course, I think, is going to favor longer drivers, so that would fit Brooks Kepka. But I'm going to stay away from him. There's just too many questions uh, around him. But I wouldn't blame anyone who does bet on him. Next, we got Bryson DeChambeau, 11-1. to 1. 
he's my first pick to win. So that this is my first pick, Bryson DeChambeau. And I don't normally pick guys to win outright. I do it at majors because it's fun. It's fun to bet on guys to win outright. So I just keep it to just major tournaments. So Bryson DeChambeau to win outright. I'm going to bet on him 11 to 1. I think he's going to be able to gouge his course. Obviously, I was talking driving distance is going to be a key factor this week. And since the restart, I mean, obviously, if you don't know, then you just haven't been paying attention. Bryson DeChambeau has been hitting his drives longer than what I thought was humanly possible since he beefed up. I think his driving swing changed a little bit, too. It's 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 weird. It's, it's like his arms are fully extended. He almost, he almost keeps both arms straight through the whole swing. Um, but yeah, first in driving distance, obviously this year, second in ball striking, fifth in par four efficiency from 450 to 500 yards, fifth in scrambling, 14th in putting. I mean, he's, his numbers are fantastic. I think Bryson DeChambeau gets his first major win right here. Also, by the way, the stats I'm citing, don't forget, I'm recording this as the WGC event is still going on. So these stats are up until the WGC event, but I'm sure they're not going to change much after this event. Uh, next on the odds list, Justin Thomas, 11 to one. As I'm watching him right now, he's about to win this WGC event. I don't mind Justin Thomas here. Uh, kind of like Brooks, I don't blame anyone who uh, who does bet on him, especially after winning this WGC event. I wish I was getting a little bit of a better price on him. He's 74th in strokes gained putting, so I think he'll have to pick it up a little bit with his putter if he wants to win at, at uh, Harding Park. I'm going to stay away from Justin Thomas just because I think at the same price at 11 to 1, I think you're getting better value on Bryson DeChambeau. So I'm going to stay away from Justin Thomas. Don't blame me if, he, if someone else does bet on him, though. Next, Rory McIlroy, another 11 to 1 uh, guy on the odds list here. Now, since the, since the restart, the way Rory has played, it doesn't justify the price whatsoever. I'm staying far away from Rory this week. I think you should, too. His approach play has really been what's screwing him. He's 112th in strokes gained approaching the green since the restart. Uh, I'm not touching Rory at this price. I'm out. Next, John Rahm, 14 to 1. Uh, big thing about John Rahm, remember that uh, one of those key stats? Proximity to the hole when their approach shot is from the rough. John Rahm, 214th in that category, third last on tour. So with these narrow, narrow fairways, that's not going to suit his game very well. And for that reason, I'm out. On John Rom, I won't be betting on him. Next is Dustin Johnson, eighteen to one. This is actually my second pick to win. Dustin Johnson is going to be my second pick. Few reasons why: number one, obviously he's a bomber, one of the longer hitters on tour. Second on P- at the PGA Championship uh, last year, big reason was because of that. He's second in proximity to the hole from the rough. So that stat, when your approach shots from the rough, he's very good in that spot. Second on tour. Uh, in that stat. That's going to be huge for him, especially if he gets aggressive with his driver. And then third, something that I mentioned earlier, the grass, Poa Anua. He's the best putter on the PGA Tour, putting on Poa Anua. Uh, The source I'm looking at, which is, I'm going to cite my source here, it's from the website Future of Fantasy. Uh, So I'm sure if you Google like Future of Fantasy, Poa Anua, this page will come up. It has him ranked first on the PGA Tour since 2014 when putting on Poa Anua, gaining 3.747 strokes compared to the field putting on this grass. The next closest being Jason Day at 2.949. So, I mean, it's not even close. He's easily the best golfer on this grass, uh, on on this uh, putting surface grass. It doesn't say on the website, uh, to be fair, when these numbers were last updated, but... um, Remember how Dustin Johnson won the Travelers Championship a couple weeks ago? Guess what kind of grass those greens were? Yup, Poa Anua. Now this grass is mixed in with bent grass, so the advantage might not quite be as big as just pure Poa Anua, but I still think it's worth mentioning. Also, his scrambling does concern me a little bit. He's not a great scrambler. Uh, but regardless, I think his game fits this course well. So Dustin Johnson, 18-1, to 1, is going to be my second pick. Next is Xander Shoffley, 20 to 1. Really quick about him. I mean, he's played well recently, but given his current numbers, his stats, I just wish we'd get a little bit of a better price on him. So, no play for me, Xander Shoffley. Webb Simpson, 22 to 1. This is going to be my third pick. I'm picking three guys to win outright. First was Bryson Shambo, then Dustin Johnson. My third's going to be Webb Simpson. Uh, obviously, not a long hitter, like I said. Uh, I think long hitters are going to have success this week. Webb Simpson's not one of those guys, but if there is going to be a shorter hitter that can win this week, I think it's Webb Simpson. Seventh in ball striking this year, first in that par four, 450 to 500 yard scoring, 12th in scrambling, 17th in putting. And obviously, he won uh, one of the first events since the restart. Which one was it? RBC Heritage, I think it was that he won going to double check that i don't want to be wrong you get people fact checking me it's rbc heritage right 
Yeah, RBC Heritage. So he already has a win since the restart. He's he's flown underneath the radar a little bit these past couple weeks. Uh, but I love him a lot, to be honest, at 22 to 1. So third pick, Webb Simpson. Next, we got Patrick Cantley, 25 to 1. I haven't really loved what I've seen from Cantley since the restart. Also, he's 163rd in that par 4 uh, scoring stat, 118th in scrambling. Uh, for those reasons, I'm out on Patrick Cantley. Next, of course, we got Tiger. We got Tiger Woods. Now, if you guys follow me on Twitter, I assume if you're listening to the first episode of this podcast, you already follow me on Twitter. You know my feelings about Tiger Woods. He's so public, he never has any betting value. Books take, like, literally a million bets on Tiger every tournament he's in. Uh, I'll be rooting for him just from a fan perspective. People think because I don't bet on Tiger Woods and I tell other people not to bet on him that for some reason I'm a Tiger hater. I, who, I love Tiger Woods. If you don't love Tiger Woods, there's something wrong with you. I'm going to be cheering for him from an emotional standpoint. I, like, I want him to break the record for most wins in, in major tournaments, so I'll be rooting for Tiger for that perspective, but I'm not putting any money on him at 25-1. to 1. It's only been in one tournament since the restart, and he just didn't look great. So, I'm out on Tiger Woods. Next, Colin Morikawa. Going to be really quick about him. Not a long hitter, not good approaching from the ref, not a great putter. For those reasons, I'm out. Hideki Matsuyama, also at 33-1. to 1. Obviously one of the best ball strikers on tour, but he can't hit a putt to save his life. 205th in strokes gained putting. For that reason, I'm out on Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, that's right. I'm stealing the Shark Tank I'm out thing for this. Jordan Speed 33-1. to 1. When are people going to understand that this is not the Jordan Speed from t- 2015 and 2017? He's just not the same. Look at his numbers. I didn't write down his exact numbers, but I did look through them. Every All my key stats, he stinks in every single one of them. He has no business being this high up on the odds list. I'm out on Jordan Spieth. Justin Rose, 33-1, to 1, three straight missed cuts. He's in bad form. I'm out. And then also at 33-1, to 1, we got Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau, Tommy Fleetwood, three guys who are notorious for melting down on Sundays. Tommy Fleetwood doesn't have a win on PGA Tour. I can't back anyone like that. At a major. Anyone who melts down on Sundays, I can't back. I'm out. I'm out on all three of those guys. Uh, quick mention about Jason Day. He's a 40 to 1, three straight top 10s. Uh, he's the second best putter on Poa Anua, as I briefly mentioned there earlier. Uh, but he is very last in that stat of proximity to the hole from the rough. Very last in that stat. So for that reason, I'm out on Jason Day. Uh, now, really quickly, I'll just uh, talk about my two guys who've been kind of my bread and butter since the restart. That's Terrell Hatton. He's at 40 to 1. Daniel Berger at 50 to 1. I'm not going to bet on either of these guys at the start of the tournament. If I do like what I see after Thursday or Friday, I might live bet on them to win the tournament. Um, but neither of them are bombers, and that's that's the main reason why I'm staying away. Like I said, I'm kind of going to bet on guys who, who can hit the ball long here. Uh, Webb Simpson's already my bet on a shorter hitter. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to stay away from these guys. Also, I mean, what happened to Terrell Hatton at the WGC? One of my picks for the WGC. Ooh, he was bad. Now, that might be an indication of what's to come here at at the PJ Championship. Maybe he's going to play bad again, but... Damn, he was brutal at the WGC. So, I'm out on both Hatton at 41, Daniel Berger 50-1. to 1. Um, So, that's it. That's That, that's, uh, that was me going through the top uh, the top guys on the odds list here. Well, let me just take a look if anyone else kind of sticks out. No, not really. Oh, God, if Patrick Reed, 40-1. to 1, if, he, if Patrick Reed wins a major, another major after them, it was already gross enough watching him put on the green jacket. Uh, I'm not betting on Patrick Reed. Victor Hovland, 50-1. to 1, That's kind of interesting. I wish I'd get a little bit of a better price on him, though. He's, one of the, he's actually pretty close to the top in that category of proximity to the hole from the rough. So uh, that's kind of an interesting play, but I'm going to stay away. Uh, speaking of Victor Hovland, though, I do... You guys know I like to give a long shot. I'm not going to bet on my long shot pick to win the whole thing. Uh, I'm probably going to take him top 20, though. Um, obviously, with this on Sunday, the top 5, top 10, top 20 odds aren't out yet. So I don't know what his top 20 odds are. Um, but like I said, uh, like I just said, speaking of Victor Hovland, my long shot's going to be Matthew Wolf, who I think is going to be tied to Victor Hovland for quite a while. Uh those two guys in Colin Morikawa. But yeah, my long shot's going to be Matthew Wolf. So he's 100-1 to 1 to win the whole thing. Um, I think pretty good value on Matthew Wolf there if you're looking for a dark horse. 7th in driving distance, so he's a bomber. 44th in that par 4 scoring from 450 to 500 yards. 68th in ball striking. 
Obviously, he's shown flashes of brilliance since the return into action. Uh, I think pretty good price uh, on him at 100 to one. I just I can't take him to top five or top ten because he's just he just hasn't showed enough consistency over four rounds. Like in every tournament, he has one or two rounds where he looks fantastic, and then two rounds of just average to not average play. Um, but I am going to take him top 20. I assume if he's 100 to one to win, I'm going to guess what are we going to get in top 20? Round four to one, a little bit better than four to one is what I would assume. I think there's some good value there. Um, yeah, so that's going to be my dark horse. I'm going to take him top 20. Matthew Wolf. So just to recap my three picks, if you've skipped to this part, just to hear my picks for the PGA Championship, I'm taking Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, all these guys, all the first three guys, by the way, I'm going to take to win, and I'm also going to take top 10. Uh, I don't know top 10 odds, but Bryson DeChambeau to win and to finish top 10. Uh, to win, he's 11 to 1. Second pick was Dustin Johnson, 18 to 1 to win, and then top 10 at whatever he is there. And then Webb Simpson, 22 to 1. And then top 10 uh, there as well. And then Dark Horse, Matthew Wolf. I'm going to take him top 20. DeChambeau, DJ, Webb, Matthew Wolf. So there you go. That's what I have for the 2020 PGA Championship set to tee off on Thursday. The first of three majors of the 2020 season. Okay, so next, I'm just going to give some quick thoughts on MLB, NHL, and NBA. Now, obviously, I'm not going to do a full 21 minutes on the PGA Tour every single week. What what sports I talk about and what sports and bets I break down, are, it's going to change from week to week, whatever's going on. Obviously, with the PGA Championship, I wanted to dive into that one a little bit deeper since it's, since it's major. Um, and another issue is I don't know how long, since this is the first episode I'm uploading, I don't know how long it is between when I click upload and when it's available to you guys, so I don't want to break down NHL games for Monday night or MLB games for Monday night, and then this episode just doesn't even become available till Tuesday. So for these three sports, I'm just going to kind of give some general thoughts, and I'm going to look at some futures, some odds to win the championship. So this is going to be just a pretty quick breakdown of these three. Um, also, I'm going to look at UFC really quickly as well. I think as of right now, uh, I'm just going to do one episode a week, so I'm not going to do a separate one for UFC later in the week. Um, and it's not really a big card, but I have a couple of quick thoughts, so... Uh, let's get into these. I'm going to start NBA. I mean, obviously, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm not a huge NBA guy. I'm not a huge NBA better, so I have about one thought about NBA. Uh, if you want more people, more smarter people than me to talk about NBA, obviously follow Joe on Twitter, JTFOZ. I assume you already follow him. Also follow Jill, GDog5000. Those guys know a lot more about NBA than I do. Uh, but the Raptors, they are undervalued all season. They continue to be undervalued. I mean, maybe it's my Canadian bias coming out in me a little bit, uh, but they just beat the Lakers uh, on Saturday night. So um, if I'm going to do NBA, any NBA betting moving forward for the rest of the regular season playoffs here, I mean, you got to take a look at the at the, at the the Raptors. I mean, once again, I'm not a big NBA guy, but it, I feel like Kyle Lowry has to be one of the most underrated basketball players of our generation. No. Usually what I do, by the way, usually what I do, I don't usually tweet it, but usually what I do with NBA, if there's nothing else going on and I'm just watching NBAs, I usually live bet. Uh, I like watching the favorites if they get down a little bit or they're down in like the third quarter usually is when I pull the trigger. If the favorites are down by double digits or close to double digits, I usually fire at them. Uh, I made a lot of money last NBA playoffs last year on the Warriors. Uh, at least throughout the playoffs, and then I kind of lost all the money I won trying to do it again uh, to the Raptors. So I'm not going to underrate the Raptors anymore. I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to do better in these. I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, in the finals again. Obviously, they're going to have trouble with the Bucks. They don't have Kawhi to shut down Giannis like they did last year. Um, but I, I would be pretty confident in saying that the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be the Bucks and the Raptors, unless they unless those two teams meet before that. Um, but anyways, my lack of NBA knowledge is already showing. <laughs> it's already showing. So let's move on from the NBA. Uh, let's move over to the NHL. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this I'm recording this on Sunday night. Uh, this is just before the puck drop of the Leafs and uh, Blue Jackets. So when you're listening to this, the Leafs are going to be up at least one nothing on the series. Go Leafs! Uh, before the actually, I think and I just yeah, Stanley Cup futures are down as of right now. Uh, probably just waiting to see what happens with the first full set of games. I don't really have any additional thoughts and what I've already explained in my quick two-minute video of me and my goalie gear that some of you guys might have saw on Twitter. 
the first few games kind of went about how I thought they were going to in the NHL, and then the last few games of not. I was really surprised to see the Bruins lose to the Flyers today. I was on the Bruins like minus 135. Really surprised to see them lose that. They didn't have Raskinet. Uh, obviously, that made a little bit of a difference. Uh, but the Flyers might be a dark horse if they can keep up this. They're the best team heading into the break. Went nine and one in their last ten games before the break. Um, but I didn't think that was con- going to continue. Uh, a big reason was that is they had the best shooting percentage over the last twenty-five games. In my opinion, and I might be wrong in saying this, but shooting percentage seems to me like the stat in hockey that fluctuates the most. So I didn't think they were going to keep that up. Uh, but they look great against the Bruins. Smoked a four-one. Is that what it was? Yeah, four-one final. So maybe the Flyers are, are the dark horse here in the in the NHL playoffs. Uh, obviously, a few teams that we haven't even seen yet, haven't seen the Lightning play, haven't seen the Capitals play, haven't seen Stars or Golden Knights play. So um, I still don't have a whole lot of additional takes other than ones that I already broke down before the playoffs started. Jets were kind of my dark horse team. I thought the Jets. If, I thought thought if Connor Hellebuck stands on his head, he could carry that Jets team. Uh, they got some goal scores. Obviously, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Lining on the team that I thought could do damage, and then they lost to the, the Flames last night. And I really thought they were going to beat the Flames. So, I'm, <laughs> I mean, it's just one game. I'm going off a of one-game sample size, but just based off that performance, I'm kind of owed on the Jets now. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'll have a lot better take on the NHL playoffs last week once we see a couple more games. So, yeah, that's what I got for the NHL. Not really anything additional. Flyers could be worth a look. Jets, if they pick it up against the Flames... But we all know the winner is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Plan the socially distanced parade route. It's 2020, people. Weird things are happening. What would be one of the weirdest things to happen in 2020? Out of everything that's happened, what would be one of the weirdest things to happen? The Leafs to win the cup. I mean, is there any other year other than a crazy 2020? The world is burning. Pandemic. Every piece of news that you see seems like fiction. So what would be what would be any stranger than the Leafs winning the, the Cup for the first time six, since 1967? So just the fact that it's 2020 alone gives me a little bit of confidence in the Leafs. Now, watch. They're going to probably get their asses kicked tonight, and then I'll look like an idiot when you guys are listening to this. But let's see. If Freddie Anderson starts to play well, Freddie, Jackal, Anderson, Hyde, if the good version of Freddie Anderson starts to is plays well in the playoffs, I mean they can win. They obviously can put the puck in the net, uh, but we'll see. And the games, at least the up until the conference finals, are in Toronto. I don't really think that makes any difference though, because I think they still have to stay in the bubble or hotels or whatever. Well, obviously, so that doesn't really make a difference. But for what it's worth, they're playing in their home city. I think they were eighteen to one before the playoffs started. I don't know. I'm I'm biased. I'm wishful thinking. But like I said, twenty twenty. Who knows? Yeah, so that's what I got for the NHL right now. Moving on really quickly to the MLB. To MLB, Major League Baseball. Dodgers, I see, are kind of edged in front of the Yankees for World Series favorites, plus 375. I was big on the Braves preseason, uh, but their bats have not looked good. Obviously, that can turn around small sample size in MLB, just like the NHL. Also, I mean, I don't really want to dive into MLB too much because the season might be can- <laughs> might be canceled. We might not even have baseball by the time you listen to this. So I'm not going to spend 10 minutes on MLB, and then you guys listen to this, and by the time that happens, it's canceled. Uh, bubble was obviously the way to go. I don't. Are players at least not going out? I feel. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into all that stuff. We're trying to have fun on this podcast, people. I don't want to turn it political and dark. But let's assume the MLB season is going to continue. Uh, the Cleveland Indians earlier this week were twenty-five to one. They've dropped down to twenty to one to win the World Series. I really like them when they were twenty-five to one. I was on a did a couple radio spots last week and I gave the Indians out. Uh, their pitching has been fantastic, especially their their bullpen so far. Uh, I mean, once again, I'm going to reiterate this a million times over, but small sample size. So I mean, all these numbers could completely change in a week or two. So don't look back at this in two weeks and sewer me because my takes end up being bad. But I still don't. I don't mind the Indians still at twenty to one. Also, who who knows what's going to happen with the expanded playoffs? Anything could happen, really. Cubs, Cubs have looked really good. Their bullpen has been bad though. Leading into today's game, they had the worst bullpen ERA. But everything else, their offense has looked good. Uh, one of the most runs per game. Their starting pitchers have looked good. John Lester looked fantastic today. I was on the over today. 
with Cubs and Pirates, and it was 1-1 going into extra innings. I think the Cubs ended up winning. I shut it off because, I mean, I'm not going to win an over-9 bet when it's 1-1 going into extra innings, even with the new extra innings rule. Uh, the Cubs win, Cubs win. I assume, that, yeah, Cubs won 2-1, to one, so I wasn't even close with that over. But So, yeah, their, their bullpen picked it up today. John Lester looked fantastic. Uh, so Cubs, their odds have already gone up to 18-1 to 1 to win the World Series. Maybe there's not a whole lot of value there. Maybe wait until they go on a cold streak, because I'm sure they'll go on at least a little bit of a cold streak before the playoffs. But Cubs are in a bad look. That's what I got for MLB. <laughs> That's all I got. Once again, I don't want to get into it too much, because the season could be canceled in two days. So there we go. Those are my quick thoughts for NBA, NHL, MLB. All right, UFC quick look at UFC 2 that stuck out to me first of all it's the main event is Derek Lewis against Alexi Olenek Derek Lewis is minus 260 as of this recording Alexi Olenek plus 200 this is I mean this is still almost a full week away this is going to be on Saturday um but I love Alexi Olenek plus 200 Derek Lewis obviously has power um but he gets gassed he's known to get gassed if he gets gassed if he if Olenek gets outside the first round and then can drag him to the ground in the second third I could see Olenek very easily getting a submission victory I love that price of plus 200. Um, but then again, every time that I think that, that Derek Lewis is going to get out-wrestled, uh, out no-grappled, I just think about how uh, sometimes guys take him down and they're holding him and he just stands up. Like, he doesn't have good grappling defense whatsoever, but he's just so strong and big. So a few times he's just literally just stood up. Someone's, like, had his back or had him in side control, and he's just like, nah, enough of this, I'll just stand up. Yeah, Alexi Olenek, 46 wins by submission in his professional career 46 the guy knows how to lock in a submission and then Derek Lewis has a couple well not a couple he has one submission loss but that was to Daniel Cormier if Daniel Cormier can choke him out Alexi Olenek can and Derek Lewis I mean his cardio is never named Derek Lewis is, is Derek Lewis we love him he's hilarious but he's gonna he's gonna knock you out and that's basically the only way he's going to win. He's won a couple decisions, but he, he didn't really have a huge output against Latifi. I thought that was a bad decision. I thought Latifi won. If Latifi kind of oak-rapples you, it's, it's a bad look. Then Olenek definitely is going to. Um, he did he did beat Blagoy Ivanov, Ivanov the fight before that. It was a split decision he won. But I know he hit Ivanov with a kitchen sink, and Ivanov stayed on his feet. Uh, and then before that, he had two losses, uh, JDS and to Daniel Cormier. So Olenek plus 200, I think he's a live dog. I like that a lot. I'm going to be on Olenek. Uh, the odds might even get better as the fight gets closer because I feel like Derek Lewis, is he's popular enough, he's probably going to get a little bit of public money. Uh, it's not a great card on Saturday. The other card that, or the other fight that stood out to me is Chris Weidman against Omari Akhmedov. Uh, let me bring up Chris, Chris Weidman's uh, recent record here. But, I mean, Chris Weidman's done. It's minus 115 apiece, so it's a pick em right now at Bovada. you got to think that the value's on Akhmedov. Weidman's 1-5 in five in his last six fights. He's done. And it's a KO, KO, TKO, KO, TKO. I mean, talk about Chinny. I like him, obviously. He has that famous moment of knocking out Anderson Silva, which was just unbelievable to see. But he's a pick em against Akhmedov, who's 5-0-1 oh, in his last six Damn, hammer those two bets. Hammer, hammer that bet for sure. And then a unit on uh, Olenek. So those are my two quick picks for the UFC card this Saturday. And then the next weekend, we got UFC 252, Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. So I'm going to dig into the UFC a little bit more next weekend because that's a big pay-per-view card. So I'll talk about that a little bit more. But for this weekend's card, Olenek Akhmadov. Those are my two picks. All right, so that just about does it for the betting portion of the podcast before we get into the fun portion of the podcast the second half here let's have a quick word from our sponsor of the first episode bacon bets podcast this podcast is sponsored by shakeahand.com that's right do you miss shaking hands do you dream of the pre-pandemic days when you could grasp the sweaty slimy cold palms of another human being do you crave that platonic non-romantic and non-sexual human contact if you do i have the product for you head on over to shakeahand.com the first ever handshake service in the world for only $29.99 they'll send over a professional handshaker directly to your home 
Please be aware, this is not a prostitution service. The professional (laughs) handshaker will ring your doorbell and then greet you in the good old-fashioned way of shaking your hand that you know and love. And now, shakeahand.com has three different handshake options. You can either order a loose grip shake, where they kind of just put out a limp hand that you can really grab and take take control of. You can order a medium strength handshake, which will kind of remind you of what it's like to meet an old friend at a bar. Remember going to the bar? Those were fun days. Or you can order a heavy duty strong arm handshake where they basically rip your arm out of your socket, which is perfect for any of you who kind of sort of like to be dominated. Hey, I I mean, I, I, I don't blame you. Whatever floats your boat. But regardless, head on over to shakeahand.com and enter the code word BACON for 35% off your first handshake delivery. And once again, I have to stress, this is not a prostitution service. Shakeahand.com promo code BACON. Alright, time for the second half of the podcast. Now, this second half of the podcast, it's going to be probably a little bit different every single week. Sometimes I might just go on a rant. Sometimes, maybe I'll have some people on, I'll interview in the second half of the podcast. Sometimes I'll answer viewer questions, listener questions. By the way, if you guys have any questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, uh, send me a DM on Twitter. Uh, Maybe I'll eventually get an email address that you can email. That's probably a more efficient way of doing this. Uh, But my DMs are open, as some of you probably already know. Send me a DM if there's anything you want me to talk about, or if you have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, and I'll tackle any of those uh, in the second half. But since this is the first ever episode, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go on a little rant. I might tell a little story. Uh, Since it is PGA Championship week, big week in the PGA Tour, let's kind of stay on the golf theme here. I got a message for Bryson DeChambeau. I need to give a little PR. I don't, I don't want to say PR 101. I want to give a little some PR tips to DeChambeau. If you guys don't follow golf, Bryson DeChambeau is he's a little bit of a weird guy. He was like a physics major. Maybe he has does he have his degree in physics? I don't know. But he came onto the golf scene doing some weird things. He always talks about physics, about how much physics he cites when he figures out what kind of shot he wants to hit. And really, if you listen to him talk, he really says a whole lot of nothing. He likes to just say a lot of big words that make him sound really smart. People call him the scientist, but really when you break it down, he's not really saying anything groundbreaking when he does. Uh, which is kind of his first problem, but at the same time, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of charming. All of his irons are the same length, which is weird. I think they're all the same length as a 7 iron, I believe. Uh, which keeps his swing consistent across all the irons, which isn't a bad idea. It's kind of caught on. I don't think anyone else in the PGA Tour does it yet, but some a- amateur golfers do it. Not the worst idea in the world. I don't hate him for. I don't hate him at all. I love Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, he tried side saddle putting, which is basically like your feet are parallel with a ball. He tried that for a little bit when he first came on tour. He doesn't do that anymore. My point is, he's, he's just kind of a weird guy. He's a, he's a little bit of a strange guy. Charming, but a little bit of a weird guy. So he came back off the PJ Tour, uh, off the restart of the PJ Tour, beefed up. He was like a little skinny, thin guy before, and then I guess all he did during the pandemic was just crush protein and lift weights. And now he just looks like an absolute beast, and now uh, you've probably heard he just crushes the ball. He drives the ball further, as I mentioned when I was kind of breaking down my pick form for the PJ Championship. He drives the ball further than I thought was humanly possible. What's his driving distance? Average of 323.8 yards per drive. That's insane. He just crushes it. But why I'm talking about Bryson DeChambeau, he came, he, he's always been a kind of, of a polarizing figure. Some people love him. Some people hate him. He came off from the restart of the PGA Tour, just crushing drives, and then people started to love him again. But then something happened. Was it the third event, the fourth event back? where he got angry. I think, what did he do, mess up a shot in a bunker? I don't exactly remember the first thing that happened, but he kind of got angry. Um, And then he went on a rant after the round about how he thinks that the cameras shouldn't follow golfers when they get angry. And he said specifically, it's not good for his brand. That's the number one glaring concern I want to talk about Bryson DeChambeau with. 
Now, some other things happened after that. There was a couple weeks ago he had that, like, 10. It was, like, a 10 on a power 5 that he scored, and, he, like, he put three straight shots out of bounds. One of them was right on the edge of the out of bounds marker, so he called over the rules official. Uh, the rules official said, uh, no, I mean, that that's out of, out of bounds. You'll, like, you'll have to take one of your other shots. And he was like, I don't believe you. I want another PGA Tour rules official over here. So then they had to go call another rules official to come all the way to his hole. And the same, and the, the, the other rules official gave him the same explanation. Not a good look. Not a great look for you to be complaining, trying to get a better lie, saying that you disagree with the rules official and that you want to talk to another guy. And then this past, well, yeah, it was this past week, wasn't it? Was it Thursday's round? Yeah, Thursday's round this past week at the WGC. He tried to get called over rules official and he tried to get a free drop because his ball was close to some ants. And his reasoning was that ants are should be classified as a burrowing animal. Because if you don't know there's a rule that, I mean, if your ball is somewhere close to a burrowing animal, then you get free relief. What that's used is for gophers and other small, like, actual mammals and rodents. It's not meant for ants. Ants are an insect. They can't be classified as a burrowing animal. So, of course, the rules official said no. And then they got angry about that. I'm not upset about DeChambeau trying to get free relief. I'm not even upset about him getting angry. Actually, I think, and I might talk about this right afterwards, but I, I think there should be more anger in PGA Tour. I like it when golfers get mad. I like it. I don't even hate that golfers try to bend the rules and call the rules official over for uh, a free drop when really you shouldn't. I don't like that. That's kind of that's gamesmanship. I don't hate that at all. I kind of like it. And he kind of got torn torn apart on social media for, for doing both of those, the ants thing and the thing before where he's like trying to get free relief when his ball was out of bounds. A lot of people are mad at him. I, I'm not mad at him. And I'm not mad at him for getting angry. Have any of you golfed? If any of you have ever golfed before and you get mad at Bryson DeChambeau for getting angry, look at yourself. <laughs> I know me. I get angry all the time when I golf. I mean, I've tried to try to get better the past couple of years, but these guys are playing on the PGA Tour. Of course, you got to assume that they should be able to control their emotions a little bit better, but I don't hate showing the anger. My issue with Bryson DeChambeau, and the number one reason why I think he's not viewed at as a very popular golfer, and people give him a hard time, and he gets upset because people give him a hard time. I got an easy fix for a Bryson DeChambeau that it's pretty clear that you haven't figured out yet. Be self-deprecating, dude. Laugh at yourself. Stop taking yourself so seriously. And this is my main point about this, or, or the biggest example of him doing this, was the first time that he got upset uh, since since uh, the season restarted, and he thought that cameras shouldn't show him when he's angry because it's bad for his brand. No, you know what's bad for your brand, DeChambeau? Saying that that's bad for your brand is bad for your brand. If you get angry, it's all well and good, People will tease you a little bit, but you're, the best counter to getting teased is just tease yourself, laugh at yourself, and that's something he never does. Like after the whole ant situation, he should have went on Twitter and he should have like made his profile picture a picture of ant or ants or like tweet something about like how um, fire ants are no joke or like laugh at yourself, dude. Fucking laugh at yourself. If you can laugh at yourself, you'll make other people laugh and then you'll instantly become more popular. It's oh, you can get angry during rounds, you can argue for rules, as long as you are able to then joke about it afterwards and laugh at yourself, people will not only forgive you, but they'll actually like you for it. I mean, another example of guys who like aren't able to laugh at themselves and they don't understand why people don't like them is Kevin Durant. If you want to go NBA, if you want to look at the NBA equivalent to Bryson DeChambeau is Kevin Durant. I mean, the guy makes burner accounts to chirp guys on Twitter who, who chirp him. And people make fun of him all the time for going to the Warriors from the Thunder and just stacking the Warriors to win a championship. The whole time, dude, if you just laugh at yourself and joke about it and go, yeah, yeah, I did go to the Warriors to win a championship. Laugh at yourself, people. Professional athletes need to be able to laugh at themselves better. Look at, I think it was the ESPYs sometime. Uh, a few years ago, Peyton Manning was hosting it and he made a joke about Kevin Durant leaving the, to the Warriors to win a championship. I don't know, he made some kind of joke about Kevin Durant. And the camera pointed to Kevin Durant in the crowd, and he has the most serious look on his face, like he's fucking pissed. Like, not pissed in a joking way, actually pissed. And then he complains about people don't like him. I don't understand why people don't like him. Dude, stop taking yourself so seriously. Laugh at yourself. 
Make self-deprecating jokes. That's the easiest way to get around that. You instantly become more likable to the common man when you're able to do that. I don't get why these athletes don't understand that. Bryson DeChambeau, Kevin Durant, almost the entire NFL, almost the entire NFL takes themselves so goddamn seriously. I get it. You're a professional athlete. You make millions of dollars. We should respect you for being for being a professional athlete. And I understand that part of the reason why they can't laugh at themselves is because they have a big ego and why they're so successful is probably because of that ego. But boys, laugh at yourself. Make some jokes, eh? Stop taking yourself so seriously and other people will like you a lot more. If DeChambeau just started cracking jokes at his own expense, he would probably be the most likable guy on tour With that, between that fact and the fact that he hits the ball literally a mile. So that's my PR 101 for Bryson DeChambeau and Kevin Durant and any other athletes who take themselves so seriously. Laugh at yourself. Just laugh at yourself. Now, I did mention about how I think I would like sports if golfers got more angry. And also to DeChambeau's point about they shouldn't show cameras uh, on golfers when they're angry. That's what we want to see. We want to see emotion. We want to see guys play the best that they can, and we, we love seeing a good meltdown. We love seeing, especially with golf being such a mental sport, we love seeing guys melt down. I want to see more of it. I want to see more anger, hate, even hate between competitors. I tweeted about it earlier this week. I've been watching hockey my whole life, but every time I see a fight happen in hockey, I think it's hilarious. How two guys can just decide to fist fight, and the whole play will stop. Everyone will just stand around and watch two guys fist fight. And then the, mo- the the worst penalty they get is like uh, five minutes in the box. I mean, worst case scenario, they get like a game, like a 10-minute misconduct. I think they should do that in every sport. NBA, NFL, MLB, PGA Tour. If guys want to throw hands and they, they both agree to throw hands, let's see it. Let's watch for a few minutes. Let, the, let, let some refs be on standby so as soon as it gets out of hand, they, they, they step in to stop it. But let's let's get some emotion going in professional sports nowadays. That's what I want to see. Maybe DeChambeau could have fought the rules official. That would have been wild. DeChambeau against Brooks Kepka? Come on. Who wouldn't want to see those two guys throw down for a few seconds? I don't want to see a full-on fist fight. I don't want to see guys go to the hospital, obviously. Maybe they have to maybe they have to, I don't know, put on quickly put on headgear or I don't know hockey jerseys that they can pull over each other's heads so it doesn't get too serious. But let, let them throw down for 10 seconds. And then go sit in a box for 5 minutes and then they're all good. Let's bring some more emotion to sports. I think that'll be fun. Maybe maybe uh, uh, golfers, maybe they get to fight angry fans when fans are allowed back. Like that year Justin Thomas <laughs> booted a guy out. Hey buddy, you're done. What did he say? Is that what he said? Hey, buddy, your your day's done. Get out of here. Kick kick the <laughs> kick the fan off the course, which I didn't even know golfers were allowed to do. How fun would it be if he could have thrown down with that fan for fifteen seconds? That would have been sweet. By the way, guys, I'm not one hundred percent serious when I say this shit. We're having a fun time here. I mean, it'd be awesome, but also at the same time, it works in hockey because you can't really get a good footing because you're on ice, you're on skates, so guys can't punch as hard. So please. Don't take this as serious, but at the same time, I'm very serious. At the same time, let's see let's see more fights in sports. That's my main point about that. Back to my point about more anger, though, and people making fun and not liking DeChambeau for getting angry during his rounds. Have you ever golfed? You can't tell me you had you've got you you've been a golfer and you've never given your club a toss. DeChambeau didn't even throw his club. I've been known to toss a club every now and then. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story, and then we're going to finish on that for the first episode. I had a quick story. It's called the Mac to Quack Meltdown. So this is the reason why I can't get angry at any golfers if they get upset. Because of the Mac to Quack Meltdown. It's a legendary story now in my group of friends, but about five years ago, we did a little mini tournament. We like to do these little mini tournaments with my group of friends where it's about eight of us. We go play around four, uh, two teams of four. And the course we were playing at is called Mac to Quack, thus the Mac to Quack Meltdown. Now, I'm not that great at golf. I know I talk about golf a lot. I bet on it a lot. I obviously watch a lot, but I'm really not a good golfer. On a good day, I shoot mid-90s. On a good day. 
I never practice. That's my own fault. I literally never practice. I've been to a driving range maybe five times total in my life. Uh, I've never just like gone to the course, just, hey, let me go practice my short game. In like my six, seven years of golfing, I've been to the driving range like maybe a total of five times. So I, I stink. I'm not good. But anyway, this is probably four years ago, five years ago. We did a little tournament, and I made the mistake of, I mean, we all like to drink during a round, especially if we're playing with some friends, but I decided to drink Jägermeister for my event, and that for, for my drink of choice that day. This might be the last time that I ever drank Jägermeister. Have you guys ever had Jägermeister? Obviously, the classic Jägermeister drink is Jäger bombs, but when I was into Jägermeister, I liked it mixed with Pepsi. It's a real, like, a, just a black licorice-tasting drink, which I'm a, I'm a big sucker for black licorice flavor. But anyways, I liked Jägermeister at the time. I drank it during this round. Drinking Jägermeister or probably any hard liquor uh, mixed with the fact that you can't hit the ocean from a boat that day, not a good mix. So the round kept going. It was a close round. Near the end of the round, I started to get, obviously, pretty intoxicated if I'm drinking Jägermeister th- through four hours. By the end of the round... Uh, you get a little drunk. It was not good. By the end of the round, I was yelling, Fuck! At almost every single shot. I was throwing clubs. It was embarrassing. I'm not, pr- I'm not proud of this story, by the way. I'm not proud of it. I learned a lot of lessons that day. It's probably one of the more embarrassing moments of my life. But I just want to explain why I can't get mad at a guy f- like Bryson DeChambeau for getting angry. So, I remember on the 18th hole, I chunked my tee shot about maybe 10, 15 yards through my club. And I remember a guy who I, was, who I was playing with was like, Ian, hey, it's not that serious, dude. I think we had like 20 bucks on it or something at most. I didn't care at the time. I was drunk. I didn't care. Uh, we ended up losing because I sucked down the stretch, probably because I was drunk, a little bit because I was drunk, a little bit because I was angry. Wasn't good. Drove back to our place. And when I got back to my home, uh, I lived with four other guys. This is, I think, the summer after I graduated university, so I was still living with, like, four other guys. Went down to my room and slammed the door to my bedroom so hard the door flew off its hinges. Now, don't f- keep in mind, there's like, a 30-minute drive from the golf course to my house at the time. So I had a lot of time to just cool off and say, all right, Ian, chill out. Nope, couldn't do it. Went down to my bedroom, which was in the basement, slammed the door so hard the hinges literally got ripped off. That's the last thing I remember. Apparently, I also either, I wrestled one of my friends, either I just got out of the shower and wrapped was in a towel, so I was basically naked, or he was, but I just tackled him and put him in an armbar for I don't know what reason. I don't really know what the point of this story is, to be honest, but now the legend goes, it's it's the Mac-to-Quack meltdown. Anytime that I'm about to get angry, or even uh, we had trivia night a couple months ago, and one of the friends that I golfed with... Uh, said that he did I jokingly asked if they wanted to gamble on trivia and they said no because last time I gambled with you you uh ripped the door off your hinges so the Mac to Quack meltdown has gone down in legend I'm embarrassed by it but it happened I learned a few things number one uh don't drink liquor especially when you're golfing now I only drink beer I can't get drunk enough to get that angry if I only drink beer number two it's only a game dude I'm not on the PGA Tour and I suck already. I know I suck, so why do I get angry if I suck during a round? I don't, I, I'll occasionally give my club a toss. I mean, who, who, who doesn't love a good club toss after, you know, the fourth double bogey in a row? But I, I think a little... I, I, I wouldn't even classify it as a club throw. So nowadays, it's a, an underhanded toss, maybe back towards the general direction of my golf bag. Do you guys get... Maybe I'm the only hothead around. Maybe nobody else gets angry with golf. Uh like I do, but I've done a lot better. I haven't broken a club out of anger in like four years now. I'm, I'm doing a lot better. Maybe it's with age. Maybe I've just learned my lesson. But that's the story of the Mac to Quack meltdown. Uh, yeah, I don't really know the point of that story, but sometimes I get angry. I try not to get angry anymore. I cannot blame Bryson DeChambeau for getting angry during his rounds, and neither should you. And that concludes the first episode ever of the Bacon Bets podcast. Uh, subscribe if you're interested, if you like the episode, uh, rate it, I guess. What do you do? Rate, review the episode, leave a, yeah, leave a review. I think that helps as well. Tell your friends. Uh, this is kind of a trial run for it. Obviously, this is the first episode. I'm going to learn a lot of things with this. I'm going to see how long it takes to upload. 
yeah, this is a little bit of a learning experience. I hope you guys liked it. Feel free to tweet at me, DM me if you have any thoughts, anything you want me to do differently. Uh, if you hate it, yeah, tell me, but be nice about it. <laughs> That's all I got for you. Best of luck with your PGA Championship bets and with MLB. Hopefully we still have MLB. Best of luck in the NHL. Best of luck with your NBA bets. Uh, best of luck with your UFC bets. Uh, I'll be back next week. I'm going to try to get these out on either Monday, or Mondays or Tuesdays. I'm going to do one a week, uh, at least for now. Mondays or Tuesdays, these are going to come out. So subscribe if you want to, and I'll talk to you all next week. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.